Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who never calls me Baldy, my hairy friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Uh, I was in a, a very crabby mood earlier today, but as usual, Let's Read Spider-Man has changed my attitude right around, and I'm very happy to be here. And no, I would never call you Baldy. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, kind of rude to be calling bald people Baldy. <laughs> Who would do that? And why are we talking about that? Well, we'll find out in a couple issues because we're not going to start with that one, I don't believe. We're going to do four Marvel team-ups today, Eddie. And the first one is going to be Marvel Team-Up 21 featuring Spider-Man and Doctor Strange in The Spider and the Sorcerer. Written by Len Wein, art by Sal Busima, inked by F. Yakoya and D. Hunt. We'll begin with a Spidey chasing off some Penny Annie hoods, only to be hypnotized by the assailant. Zandu is back, and with control of Spider-Man's mind, he seeks the crystal of Cadavis in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Um, he says here, it is only fitting that you attain the gem for me, Spider-Man. Uh, is he making a reference back to Annual 2? I It has to be. But then, why not reference it? Why didn't Roy Thomas jump in there and say, has seen an Annual 2 or something? I mean, maybe we're the only people that read these issues but you could still reference it i mean look i'm gonna do it right now you you could read about zandu in episode 18 of let's read spider-man see roy, roy thomas it's not that hard to do you just stick it in there and move on yeah that's the mo of uh the editor but zandu teleports spidey into dr strange's sanctorum where the hypnotic effects give dr strange duplicit speech instigating zombie spidey to fight they battle with spidey the victor he grabs the crystal, and Zandu reconstructs the Wand of Watoom. Yeah, I don't think your summary can quite let people know how great the effect was showing what Spider-Man sees while under hypnosis. It's easy to do on television this way when they show through someone's eyes things are warped or crazy, but they did a nice job, a couple panel-by-panel panel scenes where you would see what Doctor Strange was saying, really, but how Spider-Man interpreted it under hypnosis. I did a nice job there. Yeah, it's like a like double panels we get with the wall-crawling blunderer. You accursed webbing missed me. Whereas, you know, Doctor Strange is like, what are you doing? Why, why are you attacking me? So, uh, it, well done. I agree. Um, with the wand, he expects to resurrect Melinda, his beloved, who is in a deep slumber. But Doctor Strange arrives soon after and breaks Spidey's hypnosis. The duo battle within Xandu psychedelic alternate reality. The battle is fascinating, but when Spidey and Strange inevitably triumph, Strange attempts to resurrect Melinda for Xandu, but tells Xandu that Melinda has actually been dead for years. Do you think Xandu only hypnotized Spidey to give him his backstory? Because there's this really hilarious part where he's like, uh, this is my life, and this is why I'm getting the wand of Watoom. And Spider-Man is zombified. He can't say anything because he's under hypnosis. Uh, it really made me laugh through that section. Um, I was reading... This is going to answer your question. I was reading the Marvel team-ups online in such a way that I could see the letters to the editor, which you know sometimes yes, you can't yes. see depending on which version you're reading or whoever. And... I was, you know, I'm reading like the old Marvel team-up letters because we've read all the Marvel team-ups. Apparently, we're the only podcast in the history of time that's ever decided to review all the Marvel <laughs> team-ups. And as I was reading them, 
I saw someone comment on, is it harder to write Marvel team-ups and Marvel two-in-ones, which is the team-up with the thing from the Fantastic Four, oh. versus regular books? And the discussion was saying basically yes, because you can't, you know, kill off the hero's girlfriend because she's never been established. And you you basically have to create a whole new story and a backstory every single time. And I was thinking, boy, in these four issues, which one of these has the least amount of backstory build up because there's a lot of storyline here uh quite a bit of quite a bit of backstory from Zandu about what's been going on uh, I have a lot more to say about this issue than I do the others so if you allow me a couple of comments here they switch powers Doctor Strange and Spider-Man in the middle of the book I love this battle actually this is one of my favorite battles I know we complained about the blaseness of Spider-Man when we did annual two forever ago going into like a portal and not being really worried about it, but they kind of, like I say, it's like a psychedelic outer space. And my favorite part, not only when they switch powers, Dr. Strange and Spider-Man, but uh, Zandu uses Spider-Man's own web to make them into like marionettes and is, you know, literally puppeting them around. It's, it's great. It's a wonderful battle. Yeah. This book is almost okay. This is the, this is the best of the four, I think. Do you agree or disagree? I totally agree. Yeah, Very is, fun. Yeah, this is the best of the four. So if you have to pick up one of these uh, listeners, you want to get Marvel Team Up 21. Now, it does have kind of a shocking ending. Did you notice that? It's super sad, actually. I didn't expect it because Zandu is, you know, soundly defeated. And it looks like Doctor Strange is really going to come through for him here, but... No dice. You know. Yeah, because Zandu's under the impression that his, uh, the love of his life, it, it says a long time ago when he was a young man, even though the images drawn of him are exactly the same. Uh, it says that, you know, he, a spell backfired or, or uh, an errant mystic bolt uh, struck Melinda and put her into a, into some kind of coma, some kind of sleep. And he's been keeping her in this sleep state for years and uh, he wants Doctor Strange eventually to kind of help him. He explains this is the problem. And Doctor Strange is like, yeah, she's not actually in a sleep state. She's just been dead. And, you know, she's, she looks like she's sleeping, but it's the opposite. She's just dead. And, and he doesn't believe him at all. And that opens up more conflict for the future. But he's more like crying yeah. about it, not like, I, I disagree with you. I'm going to destroy you. And um, then, Eddie, they arrest Sandu and take him away in cuffs. So he doesn't cause any <laughs> they, more trouble. They just leave him in his castle hideaway to cry over poor Melinda's body. I mean, all right. There's not enough work for Spider-Man and Doctor Strange to do. They got to, like, let villains off the hook so they can fight him again, I guess, afterwards. And, Eddie, I'm going to tell you right now, walking away from the villain, this might be the closest they have to arresting a villain in these four books. <laughs> that I agree. <laughs> Literally, they're walking away from him, and they're like, at least they know where he is. <laughs> Rough, rough. <laughs> Poor guy. <sighs> Another thing I wanted to bring up is, you know, we talk about gas all the time being Spider-Man's number one weakness. And I don't think he gets gassed in any of these books. But Eddie, I think I know his number two weakness. Uh, what is his number two weakness? I don't, I don't know if I know. I think it's hypnosis. Oh. <laughs> I've seen Spider-Man hypnotized at least three times that I can think of immediately. Uh, it was the, the first time with, he fought against the ringmaster with Daredevil. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was doing his bidding the whole time. And Correct. then, do you remember recently that Spider-Man um, in the Marvel team-ups? Do you remember recently when he was under oh someone else's power? Uh, 
He was, wasn't, remember he wasn't talking? Oh, yeah, that's right. Remember that uh, the wizard, like in Marvel Team Up 2, had some ability that it didn't even explain. He's like, oh, we just need one more person for our Frightful Four. And he's like, I'll just use <laughs> Spider-Man. And then Spider-Man shows up and the Human Torch is like, oh, he came here to apologize. And then Spider-Man just like takes him out, like, punches him and knocks him right out. And he starts fighting him. And, and we're like, yes. how did he get hypnotized? Yeah, no wonder I don't remember that because there was no explanation whatsoever. He just was hypnotized. But this is like the third time that Spider-Man's been hypnotized. And Doc Ock also convinced him once when he had amnesia that he was with him. So Spider-Man's very akin to like fighting with the villains. Suggestion. They tell him, yeah, he's very, hey, you're, you're a bad guy. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. So big, big, big weakness of his. Uh, speaking of weakness, these Marvel team-up books get uh weaker and weaker <laughs> yeah i'd agree <laughs> and uh, why, don't you, why don't you tell us about uh marvel team up 22 james b from june 1974 marvel team up 22 featuring spider-man and hawkeye in the messiah machine written by len ween art by sal Buscema, inked by f yakoya spidey's swinging about town minding his own business when he's attacked by the world's most adorable archer hawkeye Turns out Hawkeye just needs to talk. Uh, once again, when superheroes want to talk or they know something about each other, they, he uses uh, his bow and arrows to attack Spider-Man to get his attention. This seems to happen pretty often, right? Speaking of things that happen often, uh, Spider-Man's regularly fighting people he should be friends with, right? Yeah, you know, I saw in the show notes here you wanted to go over this, but we've done this so many times. Let's just assume that everybody's intro to Spider-Man is fighting him and save a few minutes, really. That's the MO. Yeah. All right. Hawkeye tells him how he needs help fighting a bunch of android baldies. Uh, That's right, James B. Not baddies, because they do say baddies at first. It changes over to baldies. Are you saying all baldies are evil? (laughs) Uh, uh, in this book, most certainly, there's android baddies or android baldies. I actually think it's better oh, to call them baldies than to call them androids. Like, oh, another robot, yes. another robot. I I do like calling them, I although agree. they use it so many times. So many times. Like, you can't, you can't, <laughs> and I've said to myself, if I try to bring this up, is Eddie going to realize like that they're overdoing this? He's going to be like, you just don't like the word baldies. But it's really overused. Like he... Hawkeye can't go two panels without mentioning it again. Yeah, I counted at least 10 before. I was like, I'm not counting this anymore. (laughs) Well, we learned that Baldi's answer to automated robots who report to their master, Quasimodo. Spidey and Hawkeye storm the Westchester mansion where they find themselves trapped in a tube. (laughs) Do you think the Baldi's and Doc Ock uh, are neighbors in this neighborhood, James B? So Westchester is the default place for everything. More importantly, yeah. though, it's the home of um, Xavier's gifted uh, students. You know, his all oh. the X all the X Men are from really Westchester, and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants as well, which is like all the bad guys that fight the X Men. Hey, I'd like it'd be. I try to look up why this is the default like evil neighborhood. It's just a very wealthy neighborhood, is what I perceive. So maybe, maybe uh, Marvel had a problem with a couple guys up there. Um, Well, with one spectacular shot, Hawkeye downs Quasi and his crew, and Spider-Man and Hawkeye head home. Eddie, did we arrest Quasimodo at the end of this? 
Uh, you know, he was sitting in his chair with his little helmet on that was designed to help him control all the computers of the world. And they're like, slow down, Bosing Slinger. Take a look at him. Take a close look. Quasimodo isn't moving either. So I guess they were like, well, he probably won't move again. Even though we Quasimodo seems to reference himself being killed and his circuits reconstructed him whenever last time he was dead. Right. All right. They walk away. <laughs> yep. The difference here is that the first villain at least seemed to be defeated and doesn't have the wand. Quasimodo... Right. Is just sitting there, and they're like, "Well, I guess, guess he's done," and they walk away. Like he That's could all. just immediately attack them. Quasimodo, um, I know you like these little backstories I give you, but yeah, he's a Fantastic Four sort of creation by the. I'm gonna screw this up a little bit. The Thinker, or the, yes, and they say oh, that in the they book. They did say actually. this in the book. That's a good point. They do say this. I, I, this is a book I was falling asleep reading because this one's the worst of the four, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and he was. He was being created. He was doing something with the Human Torch. They mentioned that the original, not the Human Torch, no. Johnny Storm. The original Human Torch was going. They were going to do something where maybe Quasimodo was going to take that body and, and be placed inside of it. Quasimodo was just like he was a oh. program. He wasn't a he wasn't a physical being. He was like a, a oh. program. And the Silver Surfer came along and kind of created the body for him. Which I mean, I don't know why he hmm. made it this way. And then I just know the Silver Surfer gave him like a physical form. He comes and goes, fights everybody occasionally, and whatever. Obviously, he's a hunchback well, of Notre Dame knockoff. Yes, I was when I saw him at first. I'm like, you're pretty far away from Notre Dame, but yeah. uh, you know, I can't be too angry at a book that uses the word cockamamie. So, <laughs> I think he gets turned uh, into a gargoyle once too. I'm not even joking. Like they really milk that whole thing. <laughs> um, these books are awful. Um, somehow, I was able to find a sponsor to sponsor this. Uh, oh, this, thank goodness, Jay. Yeah, thank goodness because. In fact, it's rare our sponsor is the highlight of the of the podcast, but definitely is in this case. These are the first book again was acceptable, but um, Eddie, have you ever been part of a parent-child conversation where like a pet or an old relative passes away? Uh, yes, unfortunately, I have been. Yeah. Well, listen, those awkward conversations they can be a thing of the past. See, Ginchy's extra sleepy makes dead people and dead animals look asleep. There's no more flushing the goldfish down the toilet. No more, our dog was just old. Now, now everyone, sorry. <clears throat> now everyone is sleeping for years. How can that be? Well, Ginchy's Extra Sleepy uses Isotope 16, plus the secret ingredient from a messed up Zandu spell, and voila, people will not recognize someone or something as dead, they will just think they're asleep. Extra sleep, that is. Better not disturb them while they sleep for years. <laughs> Look, Ginchy Extra Sleepy only works on deceased pets and people. Does not work on living creatures. Uh, see our special six-page advertisement in Portable Restroom Operator after the featured article, Staying Hydrated on the Job in the Summer Months. So that was our sponsor for today. So This is a... a a pill or serum that I can administer. Um, you know, to... it's it's from the people that, for, who make you know the I assume it's the Ginchi Extra U products, uh, the Ginchi New U products. Uh, we, it's true. We've had Ginchi on Ginchi New Heritage. Yeah, they can uh, to start they... off with. They really have expanded out of their um, initial products. Well, they so... they do have a theme of making things like you know a little 
little different, like a you know, a little more Ginchy. A little more Ginchy. Yes, <laughs> I didn't recognize you, or I do recognize you, or you know, yeah. So I don't know the details, Eddie. I'm going to be honest with you, but you can find right. out. Okay. Well. If you open up a portable restroom operator magazine, look for the featured <laughs> article: staying hydrated on the job in the summer months. And apparently, there's a whole six-page spread there. If I had to guess, I mean, I hate to. Don't want to get our sponsor in trouble, though. But if you want to make someone look, I think it's like a makeup application. That's what they seem to be into, the ginchy people, right? Some kind of makeup you put on someone or, or your animal. like With parts of Xandu's failed spells in the makeup. Um, and isotope 16. And Oh, and a little radiation just to throw in there. Um, it, it seems like um, I'd, I'd like someone besides my household to try this first. Uh, maybe, maybe like Quasimodo. Yeah. Um, you do you have an elderly uh, pet? I do. We have we have a very old guinea pig right, right. now. I'm concerned. Well, well, what uh, if you when s- hamburger may die? What if so. you said, "Oh, guys, look, hamburgers just sleeping for a couple of years." That would save you a couple of years time. That's what I would be thinking right now from you. So, and do not let uh, V right. and Lily I, listen I'm, to this episode. I'm ready to get back to Spider-Man, James B. Can you tell us about our next Marvel team up? Sure. From July 1974, Marvel Team Up 23, featuring Spider-Man. Sorry, actually, it's featuring the Human Torch and Iceman. The Night of the Frozen Inferno. Written by Len Wein, art by Gil Kane, and inked by Mike Esposito. Uh, Spidey has other business in giant size Spider-Man 1, so we are left with a bored Human Torch. As hot-headed heroes seem to always do, he mistakenly fights Iceman for a while uh, before they figure out Equinox, the lunatic thermometer, as Iceman says, is the true baddie, robbing a jewelry store. The duo have a lot of trouble fighting him until they blast him just right, causing an energy halt within Equinox. He explodes, but might have been carried to safety by a sewer river below, and... That's all, James. Be lots of fighting, lots of ice and fire in this one. The uh, the villain, for the listeners who didn't read this issue, which is everyone, <laughs> the villain is essentially like half Iceman, half the Human Torch, kind of. You know, I would say the villain is the best part of this book. Equinox, uh, it's very hard for them to depict. They say he's like alternating between ice and fire in waves going up his body. I, this would be it'd be really cool to kind of see Equinox in real life, but all we got was him for a second. So, and this book, by the way, is better than the last one. I think. Do you disagree? You like do you like the last one better? Uh, yeah, I, you know, Hawkeye is not my favorite. I, you know, actually, I think I like Hawkeye and Spider Man better than this one right. because there's just a lot of fighting, and I'm like, come on, guys, can we stop fighting each other? And then. Fighting Equinox, and I, I would say I'd love a listener to write in and tell us which book is better. But like, boy, I mean, the three people that are going to read this, somebody tell us because I, <laughs> these are these are both really rough. I really I really think this book is way better than the Hawkeye one. But oh, okay. um, all right, you know, last issue we were just discussing how many times has somebody tried to get Spider-Man's attention and started a fight, right? So here we go. Here we are again. Literally in the next book we're talking about, he's like, hey, Iceman, I'm going to fight you. Oh, no. You really, it was a mistake. I mean, he's kind of confused. He thinks he gets hit by like 
and ice ball. And then Iceman, unfortunately, happens to be icing through the neighborhood. And so they fight for maybe like 15, 20 panels, <laughs> something like that. He's also that. not that close. He does go, It does. he does find him like five blocks away or something. It's not like he's right there. He has to go hunting for him. Yeah. Iceman, though, leaves quite a trail. Iceman really messes up the world I, when he travels. I, that's funny. I wasn't going to mention that, but that is exactly what I thought. I, what, what are these people down below with all this falling ice coming from where he's going? I have no idea what that's all about. All right. Well, this book was only better because of the bad guy. It wasn't a Quasimodo bunch of baldies, but... That's that's why. Well, Marvel T and I argue Marvel team ups is better when it's ridiculous and goofy. I guess that's why I like the Baldies and Cockamamie Hawkeye. Ah, uh, that book was so bad though. You, I don't even. <laughs> no, the 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 difference here too is like Equinox doesn't really put these guys in any kind of like, oh my god, we're gonna be destroyed kind of situation, right? No, not at all. It seems unrealistic to me in a book like Zandu was putting up quite a fight and yeah, he sort of had some upper hands at moments, but I didn't feel like Xandu was going to destroy Dr. Strange and Spider-Man necessarily. And a Quasimodo, he had these guys like almost dead, you know? And I'm like, what? Yes. Like, it seems unrealistic that, you know, people can almost be killing the heroes and then they miraculously escape. And we don't know. Oh my God. Remember when Spider-Man almost died to Quasimodo? And Speaking of books when Spider-Man should be dead to some low-level no-name villain, (laughs) from August of 1974, Marvel Team-Up 24 featuring Spider-Man and Brother Voodoo in Moondog is Another Name for Murder, written by Len Wein, art by Jim Mooney, and Sal Trapani. All right, James B., hold on. Here we go. Spidey's back. Or should we say Michelangelo? Because he's enjoying defacing a J. Jonah Jameson billboard. He swings to save a girl being attacked by four rejects from Tarzan, as he puts it. They manage to get the better of Spidey, but Brother Voodoo arrives to help Spider-Man and the girl. Brother Voodoo gives Spidey a backstory about the Moondog, the leader behind the attack. Together, they learn there's a voodoo play opening in town. They hatch a plan, and at this point... The plan seems to be for Brother Voodoo to walk into the play and say, stop, just before there's this sacrificial scene. Uh, no, uh, no. Is that a plan? No, I'm going to explain the plan to you because I, I, I saw this too. And he's like, I have a plan. And then I read very carefully what happens. The plan is Brother Voodoo shows up. He says, stop. They all attack Brother Voodoo. <laughs> And then just before they defeat him, Spider-Man shows up and Brother Voodoo says, I was wondering when you were going to get here. That's the plan. He he weakened them for Spider-Man so Spider-Man could swing in late. (laughs) Well, uh, part of the plan is to attempt to capture Moondog, but he subdues the pair. When it appears, Spidey and Voodoo Brother will be sacrificed by being burned at a stake. Uh, inside the playhouse, let it be noted. Brother Voodoo uses his powers to escape with help from Spidey. He captures Moondog only to learn that Moondog is just a spirit and had been possessing someone else and escaped when he thought the host's body would die. 
that to escape being burned alive, Spider-Man puts himself into a web cocoon while he's tied to a stake. Yeah. And this saves him from the flames? Right, because, first of all, he can't move his hands at all. Apparently, right. he's tied up. He's able to web his whole body. And Brother Voodoo also, like, bails and comes back later and then says, I better go rescue Spider-Man, even though he's basically probably dead. And then Spider-Man's been sitting there in the cocoon waiting for him. How does the playhouse not just burn down? I mean, well, I can answer that question because Brother Voodoo takes off his cape and he's like, uh, my cloak can easily extinguish this fire. Uh, I don't think so, Brother Voodoo. And then after he puts the fire out, Spider-Man, who's tied up but was able to cocoon himself, springs out of the cocoon, not tied up anymore. All right. right? He's freed. He He was freed from his bonds. While he was in the cocoon as well. It's like a... They almost die, by the way. This is so... They, almost die. they really do. Um, I've got some problems that are different kind of problems that we haven't really discussed. Okay. When you look at the cover of this book, if you look at the characters, Eddie, there's four characters. Well, maybe there's a bunch on the cover. But can you see that Brother Voodoo and Moondog, they are, they are black? Can you see that? Yes. Okay. I can't see that. Okay. Now, look at the girl that they have the knife to. On the cover, <laughs> is she black or white? She is white. She's okay, now, again, Spider-Man is fighting, uh, along with Brother Voodoo, they're a, a black guy in Spider-Man, against another black gentleman holding a knife to a, a white girl. Now, if you go into the book, Eddie, <laughs> all the characters, Eddie, are, would you say... They're much more, they, they're much more light-skinned, except for the woman is now dark-skinned. Right. Everybody, right. I mean, they, they could be... They, you know, their skin is, yeah, she's the darkest one of all now. And this is, uh, it's bad when, it's it's bad when books aren't, aren't comfortable with how they, who they want to be. And it happens in, in my job sometimes. I'll get a book and the characters will be black inside, but the cover will have them be very, very light. Because uh, they want someone to buy the book, but they're intimidated. Oh, well, if we put a black person on the book, maybe they're not going to purchase the book. You know what I mean? Now, ooh. doesn't happen as much in 2022 as it does in, you know... 1996 perhaps but and there's certain books that really bother me because i'm trying to promote to my you know my multicultural readers like oh here's a book where the main character is black and they're like Are you sure look at the cover and i know that's true yeah so it becomes an issue here and and i i just didn't love seeing this oh. this mix-up of like what are we trying to promote here and if why why on the cover especially would you have the have a black guy in a uh, african voodoo costume holding a knife to a, a like a white woman's throat it just doesn't you know Fascinating, James. Something Lee. I was thinking about. Oh, by the way, at the end, they um, they arrest. I assume just like Equinox, they arrest this guy. <laughs> well, it isn't Moon Dog. It's it's an accountant named um... Wally Bevins, <laughs> a giant six two, apparently African American muscled accountant named Wally Bevins, who's been possessed by a spirit. So, um. Moondog floats away? I don't know. He's probably hanging out with Xandu yeah. well, or something like that. At least Equinox, they think, was destroyed. Right? True. You mentioned Although it. they make it pretty obvious he float, could have floated away in the sewer below. So, right. so 0 for 4 capturing bad guys, Spider-Man. Right? Or anything. Yeah. No one... They, just, they need more work. They don't have enough work. So they got to let these guys keep... keep let them go. Yeah, I... Again, they're all canon, which means they really happen. But that way, there, if you don't kill anybody, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So, you know, Eddie, 
these books are so bad that I don't want anybody to write to us and tell us how bad they were. So let's, we're not going to give you our email or our Twitter. Not this episode. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, don't write to us. We don't want to hear from you let about it, these. Let it float away in the ether. Yeah. And if you yeah. really want to tell us that 22 or 23 is better, you know, just, you know how to find us, but all right, <laughs> let's wrap this thing up and get the heck out of here. I have so many better things to do than read these books. I am James B., joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, if you're a villain defeated by Spider-Man and another hero, you're not going to jail. Goodbye. Goodbye. I can see it would be hard for me to pass up a book where I get two superheroes, though, you know? As a kid, it makes sense, right? Yeah. I would be really excited to be like, how do the Human Torch and Iceman, like, team up? That's that's a combination I haven't seen before, so. And by team up, you mean fight each other, because that's what these guys do most of the time. Yes, yes, at the beginning. Well, I will say that I appreciate that Spider-Man did not fight Brother Voodoo, because it was the only book that he wasn't, that the two heroes weren't fighting. Oh, that's true. You're right. Heroes fought in every oh. other book. So, like, I was oh. thinking as a kid, you're like, yeah, the heroes are fighting each other. Awesome. But he didn't fight Brother Voodoo. I don't know what was going on in that story. Whoa. Man, it was it was out there. Yeah, it was just so weird. New Orleans. They're in New Orleans. They're... I was going to look up if Brother Voodoo came back, and I was like, I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm hoping he doesn't. Hoping he's the first and only appearance. <laughs>